Let's talk about the meal from the table and the importance of family and eating meals together. Let's discuss this in terms of what has happened during COVID-19. Hi neighbors on this feeding journey. I'm Dr. Evka with The Feeding Handbook. I empower mothers whose young children have challenges around food, a limited variety of safe foods, loss of appetite, or medical symptoms that might contribute to a fear of feeding. As a family physician turned life coach whose own child struggled with feeding, I get you. My mission is to guide you on this feeding journey in an actionable research bay way. As I've been there, I've done that. I have the marks to prove it. And I want to help take away your fear and confusion. You have been feeling overwhelmed with a child who has challenging mealtime behavior, picky eating, a feeding tube, only dream feeding, oral aversion, sensory defensiveness, or food allergies, including FIs. It's your time to feel different. Let's do this. Now, I know I'm not gonna be able to hear your answers, but think about this for a moment. How many of you spent time with your child at the dinner table eating dinner? Okay, next question. How many of you spend time with your family, including your child, at the dinner table eating dinner? I'm hoping it's quite a bit of you, right? Whenever I have spoken to feeding therapists, I've heard the same thing been told over and over again. Eat dinner with your child. Make sure to have a family meal. Make sure that everyone's there eating together with your child. I remember going to and talking to a whole bunch of feeding therapists and I would hear this saying repeatedly over and over again. Make sure you eat dinner with your family. Make sure the child is eating. Make sure you're all eating together. You have to have that mealtime table. You have to have that mealtime table. For me, it almost sounded like as if I had gone to a dentist and the dentist told me, go brush your teeth. You have to brush your teeth. And then I'd visit another dentist because my insurance changed and the uh, next dentist would tell me, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth. And I would tell the third and the fourth and the fifth dentist or however many dentists, or I'd go to a whole conference of dentists or talk to dentists one-on-one and they'd say, go brush your teeth. So there's something to be said about the mealtime table. And I wanted to explore that a little bit. Like what is so special about having the family all eat together at the mealtime table where each and every therapist, I'm not sure all of them, just each and every therapist I've heard has mentioned something about the family eating together. In fact, there's a saying that the family who eats together stays together or something like that. So what is it about that meal? I want to discuss with you the uh, meal time table and I want to talk to you about kind of pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19. So let's discuss that a little bit. Before COVID-19, while family was out doing things, being busy, maybe both of you worked outside of the home, maybe your spouse worked outside of home, but the time that you finally got together where like everyone's hopefully no longer working as much was for that meal time, for that meal, for, the, for dinner. And this was such a special treat for the child to have dinner with their uh, parent, the one they hadn't seen all day because 
this was their opportunity to sit at the table with them right next to them, talking about their day, wondering how the child is doing. And so it was a really special time when the family would get together after everyone came home, sit at the table, and enjoy a meal. Now, contrast that a little bit to what's happening during COVID-19 and with isolation and social isolation. I'm going to discuss that a little bit in terms of what I recently heard a comedian say on TV. The comedian said, prior to COVID-19 and all the isolation, I was spending a lot of quality time with my family because I wasn't there all the time. I wasn't there in the house with all of them all the time. So we were spending a lot of quality time together. But then since COVID-19 happened and we're all kind of all secluded in our house, we're spending a lot of quantity time together. And in some ways that changes everything because quality of time and quantity time aren't the same thing. As I'm sure that many of you already know, COVID-19 has changed the way families spend time together. Not for every family, but for many families. And I don't think any of us can truly say that we fully predicted what our life almost a year from when COVID-19 started would look like in terms of those family structures. I wanted to talk, so I wanted to talk about that in terms of a feeding therapy. So what did the feeding therapists, all the feeding therapists, like so many of them that were all about the uh, meal timetable, what did they think when COVID-19 would happen? Well, I'm pretty sure that they said, hmm, this is great. The child will get to each with a family member multiple times a day. They'll be able to clean and cook together perhaps multiple times a day. Even this is going to be so exciting. There'll be more time for a child to spend time in the kitchen with a parent because the parent will be home. How wonderful this will be for the children with feeding of food-related challenges. All this meal time together. Yay. So what happened over the last almost a year with COVID-19? What has actually happened? And again, we're not talking about every family. We're not talking about every feeding therapist has says, but what has kind of happened? What happened with the increase in cooking together and eating together? Like what happened? Well, it turns out that it's possible to get too much of a good thing. The child who was excited to see their father who worked outside of the home before coming home for dinner, the child who was excited that he was then sitting at the dinner table being motivated as he got to talk to his dad, that child now had a dad who was working from home and more able to spend every meal with his child. That child still loved his dad, but now there wasn't the same level of specialness when it comes to the family meal. It became just like a regular thing to do. Or perhaps it was not the dad who worked, worked remotely. Maybe it was the mom. Uh, maybe it was both of them. But with social isolation, a lot of people started working from home and th that child for many got to see more of their parents. About the dad, how did the parents feel? The dad might have previously been happy just to see his son. He may have enjoyed just spending time with his son at the table. And if his son was a slow eater who spent an hour at the dinner table, it didn't matter as much to dad. Why? 
Dad was just so happy being able to spend time with his son. No, it mattered. Now that Dad was sitting there with all of the meals, it started to matter. Dad started to feel a little annoyed. What if Dad now ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner with his child while each of those meals took an hour? That's three hours of meal time with his son, and Dad still had other things to do. Dad started to feel annoyed. If you see yourself in that picture, maybe you don't, maybe you're like, no, I love this. But I think some of you can relate. How about the parent, the mom? If her child only ate seven foods that the child was willing to eat, mom might not have minded uh, variations of some of the seven, say, foods at dinner because mom was otherwise working and she got to eat other meals by herself. But now she's eating meals with the rest of the family because they're all living together and working together and everyone's in these little socially isolated pods and spending time with each other. So mom now gets to eat the seven safe foods over and over again with her child. And at this point, she might be hoping that maybe there's like another food we can try, maybe something else to add to the mealtime to table. With every meal having the same variation of the same type of foods, things are starting to get old. Mom wonders, why does my child have to only these seven safe foods? Can't they outgrow some of these food allergies? Can we just start like doing more food trials like now, now, now? Or why is my child a picky eater? Why is my child only having seven safe foods? What can we do about this? I need variety. Eating together for some of these families is no longer as fun as when society was pre-COVID-19. A family that eats together also needs some mental and physical space to individuate, to do what they want to do and to do some of it alone. Today, I'm going to discuss the concepts behind the family table and why the idea of the family all eating together gained such popularity and why it's important or why it matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Evica. I'm a physician and mom to a young child who fed reluctantly. I remember feeling so scared and so alone. It was hard for me to find the answers and the solutions as to why my child had significant feeling difficulties. It was hard to improve the feeding. Fast forward past many doctor's visits, lots of reading, multiple certifications in various aspects of feeding, and many feeding therapy sessions with me as a mom, you will see a mom and a child have come a long way in the feeding department. Life feels so much less scary. I have so much more powerful knowledge regarding early childhood feeding. Feeding has become easier and I have more of my life back. I created the Feeding Handbook podcast as I want you to have actionable, simple, step-by-step strategies so that you don't have to feel as scared or as alone as I once did. If you have some questions about nutrition, picky eating, if you have a young child with lots of symptoms but no good solutions regarding why feeding seems so much more difficult than you would expect, if you have a diagnosis but do not know where to get good, actionable, step-by-step information, you're in the right place. Let's get learning. Just remember that this material is for educational purposes only. I'm not your doctor or feeding therapist. If your child has specific medical concerns, please see your doctor or other members of your healthcare team. Although I'm a physician, none of you are my patients, so please make an appointment with your doctor, not me. Today's episode is sponsored by my free course on the Feeding Handbook or the Feeding Physician website. 
I will be offering a course about how to feel better and how to gain more happiness because some of us right now with COVID-19 have had a lot of life changes and may not necessarily feel as happy as we did before. I've kind of talked about the life changes uh, that have happened with COVID-19 around the mealtime taper, and I want to continue that with other topics as well. So please go on my website and you'll get a free course there for you to enjoy. Free. It's free. Anyway, back to the topic at hand, the family dinner table. Have you had a feeding therapist tell you to go home with your child and have dinner together as if that was like the most important thing? Like to the point of, if you don't do anything else today, just have a meal with your child, with everyone else that's present. If you have, you get me. You've been through this. If you have not, most likely, if you go see a feeding therapist at some point, you will get some version of this. Uh, they will also stress how important family meals are. The therapist will say the family dinners are important for the body, the brain, and the spirit. I've grown to expect them to say it, just like we would expect a dentist to tell you to go brush your teeth or the person from who you uh, have your car fixed and tell you to go get old change every once in a while. Yeah. Um, I want to discuss some of the reasons why there's such a stress placed on family meals. What are the benefits for you and your child when you eat together? Okay, so I'm going to go with a couple of benefits. You don't have to hear me through each one. The first one is weight. Children are more likely to be obese if they are absently eating food in front of a television. So if they're like watching TV while they're munching, they may be more likely to zone out and continue doing what they were doing before, which is munching. Multiple studies in different countries have found that TV watching during dinner was linked to waking. If you're concerned about your child's weight, it's probably best to limit the TV watching during the meal. Yeah, what if you have a child who is falling off the weight curve? What if they're falling off the growth curve? In that case, you might not be interested in worrying about whether your child is going to develop obesity in the next month or two. So this argument of preventing obesity by not watching TV while you're eating and instead focusing on the meal may not be the most relevant for you at this moment. However, listen up. There's other reasons why the feeding therapist recommended. Okay, reason number two, words. They talk about how if you read to your child, you will help that child's vocabulary to grow. Well, if you have a meal with your child, you're even more likely to have your child's vocabulary grow that much more. And I'll explain to you why. Okay, so you are um, reading a book to your child. And that book, that children's book, has to be made in a specific way. It has to have a certain number of words. If you go over that many words in a children's book, it's not considered necessarily be as age appropriate. Like limit your words. And you also need to limit the syllables that you use in many of those words, the type of words that they are. You cannot put SAT prep course words all over your five-year-old's book. Well, I guess you could, but it's not considered standard. 
And when you are reading your child's book, you are exposing them to the words in that book. And those words are the simple words, the easy to understand words that are limited in how many words there are in the entire book. When you are sitting at the table, feeding your child, you are not censoring what you're saying. You're not thinking, oh, is that word have too many syllables? <gasps> is that word too complex? No, you're just having a conversation with your child. And your child is going to pick up words from that conversation. And there's studies that show that by the family eating together, by being interactive and talking to that child during that meal that you're going to be exchanging words and they're going to be improving their vocabulary to a large extent. So the family that eats together improves their child's vocabulary. Okay, so th that's reason number two. There's more. Third, by eating together as a family, you increase the child's acceptance of new foods. Children who are picky eaters may choose to eat foods that they wouldn't otherwise eat just because they're doing it in the context of a family. Let me give you an example of how this would work. So I don't know if any of you have a child like this, but my child wants to be just like mommy. So if there's a favorite dress that I am wearing, she's all over it. She's like, I want to wear that dress too. I don't care. That's so, so big for me. I want to wear it because it's mommy's favorite dress. I want to be just like mommy. So she puts on my high heels and she walks around the entire house in high heels because uh, she's just like mommy. And that's what mommy does. And she wants to be just like mommy. Well, it's similar with the mealtime table. If your young child really loves one of the parents and the other parents like, you know what, this is the best meal or the, uh, this is the best food on the table and you know, the child sees the parent constantly looking at that one particular food that the child otherwise doesn't want to eat, but the parent keeps saying, oh, this is the most amazing. I love it. I, why don't you try it if you want to, only if you want to, but try it because it's my favorite food. The child may be more likely to eat it because they want to be just like the family member. So that's another reason to have family meals, because it creates this environment where a child may be more likely to try meals or try different foods that they wouldn't otherwise. Now, obviously, I'm assuming that those foods that they're trying are not going to be the allergenic foods if your child has significant food allergies. But if they're like the picky eater, the one who's just picky and what they choose, having those other items on the table that everyone else is eating may motivate them to eat them themselves. And so the variety of food increases. Number four. Well, now I'm going to make some guesses about how you're eating at that table. First, I'm going to guess that you, there's probably some kind of vegetable on the plate. Second, I'm going to guess that there's probably not too many soft drinks. And third, I'm going to guess that the table is not covered in just sweets. Researchers actually looked at how children eat in uh, daycares or preschools or schools and compared them to how they eat when they're out about with their family and then to eating at the dinner table with the family. 
and the one environment where children consistently are more likely to be eating a little bit healthier is at the dinner table. So you want to have some meals that you actually are cooking together. It's not just going to be all fast food that you present to your child each and every day at the table. So you're going to have a little bit of healthier foods. If you're out and about, you are going to be stopping at a fast food joint. And that's not the healthiest or take out from someplace. But if you think about most restaurants, how do restaurants stay in business? Many restaurants stay in business by having really tasty food. What makes food tasty? Salt, fat, right? That's a lot of restaurants that have a lot of salt and fat in their food. Also looked at children and how they eat in school. And in a lot of families, what mom and dad set, or mom, the parents, if it's just a one parent household, um, said that dinner table tend to be healthier than what a child by themselves would choose if given the opportunity in another setting, like if they were in school. And at school, they had their choices. I mean, children may not necessarily choose to have like the broccoli and the cauliflower or, or the, the healthier foods. They might go for like the potato chips and the cookies for lunch if they're given the opportunity. Now, of course, this changes with education about food and nutrition. But um, based upon some of these research studies, some of the most healthiest places to eat a meal are actually going to be at home at the dinner table. We have four benefits to eating at dinner together as a family. Now you might be asking yourself, well, what does eating dinner together as a family actually mean? Like, what's the definition of eating dinner together as a family? And I will say that there's multiple parts to it. The first part is that there's at least two people eating together, so your child and someone else. And you're having some kind of a conversation. You're trying to make it fun by having the meal be about the two of you or about other members of the family, but where it's more of a conversation as opposed to a TV viewing session there at the dinner table. It's considered to be more therapeutic and more of a family meal if it's a start of a conversation. Now you might be wondering yourself, what kind of conversation can I have with my child? I've been having conversations with them all day, for instance. Like what if you're the stay-at-home mom and you're just having conversations with your child all day long because you're staying at home and playing with your child? In that case, it's good to make be vary the conversations that you have a little bit. Some people decide to play a game, like one particular game is called conversation setters, where you actually come up with topics to discuss that are very special just for the, the mealtime table. Children like to learn a lot about their families. They want to know a lot about mom and dad and their history and the, the life before they were born. So you could share some of that. You can talk about your life uh, before you had your child. You can talk about other members of the family. Make them feel like they're part of like this larger unit, like they have a history, they have a shared history that started right before they were born. So that's one type of a conversation topic. Another aspect of the dinner table and a mealtime table is there needs to be some give and take. So for a baby, there might not be that much. You may just be giving the baby food at the table, like something small, because they might still be getting most of their nutrients from breast milk or from formula.
but you provide a lot of giving and hopefully maybe these will take you like maybe they give you something back um when you have someone who's like four or five years old you can do a little bit more of this giving or taking where uh, perhaps you can have a conversation about what to have at the next meal or uh, the child can ask you if you would like to have them help you clean up this in some way after the meal like uh, what can they do to make a difference in cleaning up the table give and take is important in all kinds of relationships and practicing some of that at the table uh, can be pretty helpful all right i went through a lot of stuff with you any questions if you do you can discuss them with me and by just submitting a comment on uh, the youtube channel so hit like hit subscribe and give me a comment and i'll comment right back to you if you are listening to this as a podcast, just go to my website, The Feeding Physician, Dr. Evka, Feeding Handbook, and they're all point in the same place. And um, hope to talk to you there and reach out to me through the contact with me section. Thank you so much for another episode of The Feeding Handbook Podcast. And I look forward to seeing you more next week. Thank you.